This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Good morning, how are we? Decent, fair. So we'll just we'll just focus over here because there's actual like communication. So um, let's check over here. We doing alright? Yes, no? Fair, decent? Okay. Super middle? Okay. Alright. It's a, it's an amazing day. It's a beautiful day. Um, so I'm grateful for that. I this is uh, this is the weather could just be like this every day, all day. Man, I would be stoked. But uh, alas, we don't get that until one day when God, Jesus, returns to make all things right again. Then it's going to be like 65 and sunny, um, with a slight breeze, perhaps. Uh, but maybe that's just my heaven, and I don't get to write the script. So, uh, anyways. Uh, my name's Corey. There's several people that I, I don't even recognize. Uh, so I'm one of the pastors here, uh, along with Mike. He's our other pastor. Um, and so we're, we're just honored to get to be a part of this. Um, and like, like I think Carolyn said, probably at the front end, it is just, we, we want to lead people to life with Jesus, and uh, none of us here are perfect in that. Uh, you're not going to find a single perfect person here. If, if you've even been here at all in the last few months, you've seen in spades my imperfections. Um, and so there's just no perfect people here, uh, but we believe Jesus is perfect, and the life we are created to look for is found in Him. Uh, and so we, we spend the rest of our days looking to know Jesus and to find the life that we uh, have been created for. So that's our purpose in worship and in gathering. It's not to uh, put together a performance or a show. Uh, that that'll probably never be us. Uh, we just want to know God and make Him known, and so that's our aim uh, for being here. Uh, just to, to let you know a little bit more about myself, um, although that won't last long. Uh, back in the day, uh, I, I it's still kind of present. I loved horses. Like I was a big any other horse fan's favorite animal horse. We got like two. what? Is this embarrassing? Like, I, I can see Eric and go, like, oh, dear, where are we going with this? Like, what? I did. I loved horses. I still like them. They're, they might be my favorite animal. But, uh, but especially when I was, I don't know, I was in elementary. How old are you? Michaela, how old are you when you're, like, in third or fourth grade? Molly's nine? I was around nine or ten. Let's go with that. Um, I loved horses. And so, I mean, I had, like, books and, and, and like, little, little toy things. And anytime I go to the library, I get a horse book, and I look at the pictures. And as soon as I tell my parents one day, hey, I, I want a horse. And they're like, okay, sure, right? Like, save your money. And so, I don't think they thought I was serious. They thought it was like a fad, like, kind of like we're hoping this old cat thing is in our house, like it's just a fad and the cat will one day disappear we won't have to do cats anymore. Um, maybe that's just me and Stephanie. We, okay, yeah. Anyways, they thought it was a fad, right? So they're like, save your money. So I did. I started saving all of my money. I had this jar and everything I would do, like anytime I would get an allowance or I would do chores or I would, I would clean out cars. And by clean out cars, I meant like look through the seats for money. Um, that was back in the day when you actually had like coins and you put it in an ashtray. Anybody else remember that? That never happens anymore. Like there's all those cars with the slots for your coins. I'm like, what is that for? Nobody even has coins, much less putting them in those slots. Anyways, so I would clean out cars, and I, you know, I was just breaking in as much as I possibly could because I was going to buy a horse. I was not buying other things. I was just set on the horse. That was my greatest treasure in life, I wanted a horse. One day, my parents come in, and they're like, okay, we believe you. Stop saving your money. You got a horse. Not only one horse. I got two horses. 
So the horse we bought had recently had a baby horse, and apparently they couldn't be separated. So I got two for one. It was great. So the mom horse, her name was Holly. The baby horse, his name was Chip. And we eventually had to sell them because they're really expensive, and I wasn't spending enough time with them. But nonetheless, that's, that's all, all that to say, right? Like this horse, I just, I, it was my, it was it. That's all I wanted in life was a horse. And so all of my money, and, and all of my time and effort was good to get money to put towards this horse. And and that's what we do in life, whether it's a horse or a car or a, a house or a family or a, a degree. Like we we place values on things and what values most to us. What is most important in our life is what we will do. It is what we are going to go after, right? Like that's, that is our treasure and our hearts chase our treasures. And so if it's a thing, we're gonna chase after that. If it's character, we're gonna chase after that. If it's the Lord, we're gonna chase after that. Whatever our treasure is, that is what our hearts chase after. So if you're wondering, what's my treasure? I just invite you, go and think through your days and your weeks. Where do you spend your time? Where, where, what are your thoughts on right now? My girl Lisa, I've been talking about Lisa Turkers a lot lately. She tweeted out the other day. She was like, hey, what? What? She's my friend. We're, we're buddies. She, that's, that's it. That's it. So she tweeted out the other day, you know, whatever you are spending, like whatever your mind is consumed with right now, that is your treasure. Like, that's what you are worshiping most. It's kind of convicting at the time. I didn't like what I was thinking about a lot. So I'm like, all right, thanks, Lisa. Appreciate that. Let's hold those back next time. Um, but it's just that we go after our, our treasures. It, it reminds me of a story that Jesus told in Matthew 13, probably one of his shortest stories ever. And we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. Um, so if, you, if you've not turned there, I invite you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, Mark is in the back, and he will grab you one and hand it to you. Um, if anybody wants a Bible, just get one of those. Like, hey, over here. Uh, if you don't own one, take it home with you. Give it away. We just want people to have these words because we believe these are the only words that are absolutely true in the entire world. So, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus tells this story. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. So I, I love this story, and I wish that Jesus gave us more details about this, this man. Um, but we don't know a whole lot. We just know that, that there was a man, and, and he, he lived somewhere in town. Right? Let's just say he's single because Jesus doesn't tell us that there's a family involved. But, but one day, he's just out on a walk. Maybe he's on a lunch break. Maybe he's just enjoying the 65 and sunny degree temperature. Um, but he's, he's on a walk, and he, he, he notices something in this field. And as he stops to discover more, he's, he's kind of digging around, and he's looking at it, and, and it, it takes some time, perhaps, but eventually he pulls out of the ground this, this chest, right, and, and, and he opens it, and he, you know, his heart's pounding, and he's like, oh my gosh, like, is this for real? Like, what is this? And he opens up this chest, and in it is just gold and jewels and treasure on top of treasure on top of treasure, right? And so you, you just kind of look it around, and like, do you ever see this? Right? So he puts it back in there, he covers it up, and he remembers that when I was walking on, I saw that there was a for sale sign for this field. Boom! He heads back home, estate sale happening right now, multi-day, and everything is for sale. So people come up and like, what's for sale? He's like, everything. Like, you can buy it, I sell it all, right? You know, oh, so, so your, your dishes, yep, for sale. Your furniture, yep, for sale. Your, your wardrobe, other than what I have on, yes, for sale, right? Like, my donkey, the house itself, everything is for sale. And he finally, he sells all that he has, and he has enough money, and he goes and he buys that field. Why does he buy the field? Because the grass is green, because it was a nice walk, because it's a good trail, it's a good look over the river. 
What was in the field that he wanted? This treasure. And this treasure in that field was of far greater worth than everything he had. He totally left his life to go get that treasure. He sold everything he had because that treasure was of far greater value. That treasure is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. I love how Paul describes it in Ephesians 1. This treasure that, that perhaps that, that man found. Verse 7, this phrase. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. I have this part underlined. If you, if you like to underline that, I'm just letting you know. According to the riches of his grace. The riches of his grace. So, so I really think that Matthew 13, 44 could have just said that this man was walking in a field and he found the riches of God's grace. And it was a far greater value than everything else he had. Because once, once we actually taste this grace, everything else just kind of loses its flavor. It, it just doesn't have the same appeal anymore. Once we, we hold the value of this grace, and that doesn't have any value anymore, not compared to this. Those ways, they don't have value anymore, not compared to this. This stuff that I chase after doesn't have value anymore, not compared to the riches of God's grace. Have you, have you encountered that grace? I guess your life, not just, I've heard about it, I know about it, have you encountered the riches of God's grace for your life? You'll know it because your life will never be the same after. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I'm just saying it'll never be the same. Oh, I want to invite you to pray with me. I just want to pray for God to let us, either for the first time today, or just a new, like just, just a new exposure to the riches of his, God, of his grace. I just want to ask him to do that for us today. So would you, would you pray with me? And would you just start by, by just you and God? And whether you believe or you don't, whether you've had a good week or a bad week, whether this morning has been good or bad, would you in your heart, as best as you know, if you're willing, ask God to show you, to speak to you, and to allow you to taste and experience the riches of his grace? to respond to your grace. 
change our values. Let us know who matters most. In Christ we ask together. Amen. So last week we began just going through this book of Ephesians. And then Paul is writing uh, this letter to the church in Ephesus. Uh, you, know what, you know what fascinates me? Um, and this is not, not in my notes. But uh, the, the church in Ephesus was a church plant just like this one. Um, and, and it's part of why we are so committed to, to one day planting future churches. Because every letter that you see written to a church in the Bible was a church plant. Like none of them had been around for a long time. And, and the only reason this church exists or any church you ever And I just got stuck and we talked about it last week in, in verse 3, right? That blessed be God the Father. We're praising God the Father. That's what the word blessed means. To, to give praise to God the Father who has first blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And, and, and that, that phrase just like blows me away. Every spiritual blessing. Like, not 80%. It's not like God's like, hey, you know, I'm going to give y'all 65%. And then when you when you really grow up as a good old Christian, like, I'll throw in another 10%. And then if you prove yourself a few years later, like, I'll add in another 10%. But no, in Christ, we trust Christ. The full amount of spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, God's like, ah, here you go. I, I, I will admit, I don't have the, I, I, that has to be so much more than I can even grasp. Which just tells me that as far as I think I might be in my walk with Jesus, there is infinitely more. So if, you, if you're thinking like, man, I've kind of nailed it at this point. Like, no, no, you haven't. And the Bible tells us otherwise, but it's a great invitation. There's so much more to be had in Jesus. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is given to us. And Paul is just kind of lining that out for us. And he calls this in verse 6, the praise of his glorious grace. This is God's grace to us. God's riches at Christ's expense given to us. So for anyone who has trusted Christ, it is said that you are in Christ. You're a part of him. And the full amount of spiritual blessings that is in Christ is now in us and given to us. That is mind-blowing when we start to really get our lives around that. And so then Paul continues and he gives us a few more into the next few verses of these spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, the grace of God. And the first one we see is in verse 7. In Him, so in Jesus, we see that phrase, gosh, I should have counted beforehand, multiple times in these few verses, in Him, in Christ. It's all about what it looks like to be in Jesus. If we haven't trusted Jesus, then this, these verses are not true of us. If we have trusted Christ, we're in Him, and therefore this is true. In Him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. In Christ, we have redemption. The, the word redemption means freedom, liberation, deliverance. Anybody else in here? I mean, I was literally praying with Stephanie before I walked up here for freedom. Just, just in my own mind and kind of the, the tormenting that I've been feeling the last few months. It's just like, God, I need, I need full and sustained freedom, redemption, deliverance. Anybody else, just anything at all, you're like, okay, yes, I would like for that to be gone and set free from it. That's redemption. To be set free, to redeem, to set free, to unloose. 
Now, a key component of redemption is that it comes at a price. So in order for something or someone to be set free, to be redeemed, it comes at a price. And so our family knows that incredibly well. We go to main event, and our kids drop $40 to play these games, and they get their, their points on their cards, and then they take that card into the, into the prize center and spend 50 minutes to, to cash in 500 points for four pieces of candy. Right? But they are redeeming their points. They're, they're paying with their points, really with our money so they get their points, in order to set free the candy or the squishy ball that has been in captivity inside the prison of that main event toy place. Right? So, so, you, have to, so you get a free coupon. Go get a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. And you redeem that coupon or that code. You pay with that code and they give you the freedom of that sandwich to then be in your belly. Right? So redemption, to set free of something, comes at a cost. We have to pay something in order for redemption to come. Uh, oftentimes this word was used in the slave trade. To redeem a slave was to set free a slave. I read a story this week as I was looking at it of, of a man who, um, I mean, several years ago, who was on the African coast, and he saw uh, slaves being taken to a ship, and they were all chained up by a, an iron uh, collar around their neck that connected them chain to chain to chain, and then the front one was then connected to the, the master. And so he saw them, and, and moved by compassion, he, he wanted to redeem he wanted to set free. And he didn't have a lot of money, but he was able to pay the price to set one slave free. And so as he hands over the money, someone unlocks that collar around this person's neck and then the chain comes off of him and he now is free to go. A price was paid for the redemption of that person to now walk forward in freedom. In Jesus, we have redemption. Now, the, the challenge for us in this context is we struggle to really know what it means to need to be set free. It's just, it's just, we have it pretty good, all in all. There's just not a lot of time where we're like, man, what do I really need redemption from? And so this loses a lot of its punch until God gives us eyes to see what we need freedom from, what we need redemption from. So Colossians 1 says that Jesus came to deliver us from the domain of darkness so that we can be transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. So he came to deliver us, to, to take us out of this domain of darkness where, where Satan rules and where we live and to move us into the kingdom of light, his beloved son, where we can have life. So we're born into this domain of darkness. Romans 6 says that we are slaves to sin. So think about that iron collar is, is holding this person captive. Romans 6 says that there is a collar of sin that holds us captive to follow the master of the devil. That is who we are. That's what we're born into, to this domain of darkness. We are slaves to sin on this path following the devil to eternal destruction. Hebrews 4 is something I've been reading in Hebrews lately with a couple of the guys, and it says that, um, no, I'm sorry, Hebrews 2. 
That through the death of Jesus, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, and that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Let me read it again. Jesus died in order to destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and to deliver all those, to redeem, to set free all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. So the Bible tells us that every single one of us are slaves to sin, and we're slaves to the fear of the consequence of that sin. And Jesus came to redeem us from that. In him we have redemption, freedom. And that redemption forgives us of our sins, of the very thing that holds us in slavery and that keeps us away from God. That redemption is what sets us free from that sin so that we can live new life in Jesus today and for all of eternity. One of my uh, favorite illustrations of this is in the book, The Lion, which in the wardrobe, uh, C.S. Lewis is just, gosh, a master, um, incredibly brilliant. And these books I love. I'm trying to get Michaela to read them, but she tells me I'm dumb or something. I don't know. They're great books, though. But in this, if you know the story, if you don't, that's not on me. That's on you at this point. Um, if you don't, you've got the four kids, the, the two sons of Adam and the two daughters of Eve, um, Peter and Susan and Edmund and Lucy, and they enter into this, this world that they... They always existed, but they didn't really know existed. And so in this world, uh, Edmund, the, the, second, uh, the second boy, is tempted by the witch. And by his own desires, chooses to walk away from what is true and to chase his own desires. And in so doing, what he didn't know is that he was becoming a slave to the witch. A slave to her ways and her way of living. And then the punishment of, of doing that was eternal slavery. And so then Peter and Lucy and Susan are trying to figure out how do we rescue our brother? How do we set our brother free? And the beavers, man, the beavers, they were smart. They tell them, oh, you're not going to do that. Only Aslan can do that. Aslan, the, the king, the lion, shows up and has a conversation with the witch. And at the end of this conversation, the witch sets Edmund free but only at the price of Aslan turning himself in. And so Aslan takes Edmund's place as the witch's slave. Edmund goes free, and the witch then proceeds to kill Aslan in the place of Edmund. That's redemption, where a price is paid in order for freedom to be secured, and the price to be paid according to this story, but even more so according to this story, was the death of the perfect one in our place. That Jesus would die in our place so that we don't have to suffer the punishment for our sins. He would suffer it for us. In John chapter 1, John the Baptist sees Jesus walking and he says this phrase, and he says, look, right there, that man, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one who will be sacrificed so that our sins can be forgiven. And when our sins are forgiven by faith, the chains of those sins fall off and we are free. We're free in Christ. He sets us free. We have redemption in Him. The forgiveness of our trespasses through His 
blood. Only by his death are our sins forgiven. Only by his death is our record of debt taken away from us. And freedom is ours to be had in Jesus. No one else can control that. No one else can, can re-captive, you know, re-bind bind us. We're free. Now, granted, a lot of times, right, we, we do that to ourselves. Right? Like, we're, we're free from this sin, but for whatever reason, we just continue to put it back on. Right? Like, that's, that's life. Right? We, we all know that. We're free from, from this, this condemnation, and yet then we continue to put it back on ourselves or, or let others put it back on us. But Jesus says we've been redeemed by his blood. And his blood, it is according to the riches of God's grace. Like, his bank account is not running short. It's not like he's like, man, I got enough grace, but once you sin too much, I run out. What am I supposed to do then? Like, the grace of Jesus' blood, it's enough, but, but only so much. Once you've done so much, well then, I can't pay that. Now, the riches of God's grace never run short. So I don't know if you think you've outsinned God's grace. I don't know if you think that, man, I really messed up this time, or I can't, I can't go there, I can't do this. No, no. The riches of God's grace is an unlimited bank account of grace. And he says, come on. Like, like, put your umbrella away and just let it rain down on you. And just receive the grace of God in Jesus to tell you, he paid the price in full. You're free. Don't submit anymore to the, to the chains of slavery that Jesus has redeemed us from. Now, I'll be the first one to say that is easier said than done a lot of times. Well, why in the world am I praying for freedom before I walk up here? Because the, the, the chains of fear, I'm, I'm putting back on myself. And Jesus is like, come on, man. So I know that it's not always easy. I get that. Real time, get that. But that's what it tells me. And then we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. I've been bought with a price. I love 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. Oh, I'm the wrong way. There we go. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're talking about this grace again. That though he was rich, Jesus was rich, riches of grace, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The grace of God is that he has unlimited wealth and forgiveness. He has it. You and I need it. And so Jesus willingly steps down into the mess of our lives and takes on our poverty of sin so that we can walk in his freedom of life. He makes that exchange with us. All of us. That's the amazing grace of God. Have you received that grace? I mean, have you received it? It's there to be had. Every day to receive that grace. This is the spiritual blessing of the Lord. It is what Jesus offers us. It's in Him. And He lavishes it upon us. 
in all wisdom and insight. Like he doesn't hold back. He just pours it on us and keeps pouring it on us and keeps pouring it on us. And make, like it is here today, grace upon grace upon grace upon grace today for us. For us. Receive this. It's there. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, I love to unite all things to him, right? Like, he doesn't just set us free to go to wander on our own. Like, I think about a slave being set free. Well, now what? So that I don't have a chain on me, but now what? What do I go? I, I, I go wander on my own. But, but God is not that person who sets us free. He sets us free, and he's like, hey, come on. Come home with me. Like, I've got, I've got, I've got food. I've got a house. I've got a place for you to live and to thrive on, to unite you into my family. I want you to be a part of my family. So God doesn't just redeem us and set us free to then go and try to figure things out on our own. He redeems us and sets us free so that we can freely come live with him. To unite us to him. This is a good and loving father who doesn't want to hold back from his riches of grace. Now that leads us to the next thing, verse 11. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. The second thing that we see in these verses, I mean, there's more than that, but today, the second thing is an inheritance. In Christ, we receive an inheritance. Every single one of us, 100% guaranteed, is hoping that tomorrow is better than today. Right? Anybody in here like, man, I really hope that Monday isn't a tank. And then I hope Tuesday is worse than Monday, and then I hope that Wednesday is worse than... Like, no. We hope that Monday is better than Sunday, and then we hope that, man, maybe Tuesday will be better than Monday, and then shoot, let's keep going. Wednesday will be better than Tuesday. That's what we want. We hope that tomorrow will be better than today. We're created longing for a better future because we know that something ain't right in today. Something's broken in this world, right? We know that. We know that. Again, I believe God creates it, allows it to be brokenness because it creates a longing and a hunger for a better day. Because unless something is broken, we don't know to look for a fix. Unless my head hurts, I don't know to look for ibuprofen. Right? There's got to be something that tells me, okay, hey, this isn't right. Look for something else. Look for something else. We're all looking for that better day and inheritance. We have a longing for that. Revelation 21 tells us of that better day that we want, that future inheritance that we're looking for. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold! The dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. That, that's what marks heaven as heaven, is that we're with God and he's with us. Just, just in case you're wondering, like that's, that's what ultimately makes heaven happen. So he will be their God and they will be their people. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be pain or 
nor mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Anybody else want that day? Like, I, yes and amen. No more tears, no more hurt, no more brokenness, no more anxiety, no more fear, no more stress. Like, I, I, yes, this is the inheritance that we are looking for, and Jesus tells us in him, it's ours. That day is coming, that better day that we're looking for, it is coming in Jesus. John 14, he says, I'm going, I'm going to take it off pretty soon, but I'm going to make a place for you. I'm going to prepare a home for you. To, to prepare this inheritance, this better day for you to live in. In Hebrews chapter 11, man, that, that chapter of all these people who, who lived their lives in faith, it says on multiple occasions that they ran their life of faith. It was hard, but they ran in faith looking to a better home. Like they had their eyes fixed on, man, this is not my home. This is not the end result. There's something better than this. I'm going to focus on that because when I just get stuck looking at this, then I just freak out all the time. But if I look to that better day and I know that it's coming, then I have what I need to keep moving. And so he says, you've got to look for that inheritance. And in Jesus, it's yours. It's yours. In him. That's it. Only in him. How do we know that the day's coming? First Peter Chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me go praise God again. Why? Because according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. And there is a home for us, an inheritance that is not going to be broken, is not going to fade away. The next day will be better than the day before. Every single day. And the reason we know that day is coming is because Jesus stood up out of the grave and trampled over death and secured for us victory for all of eternity. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, we don't have a hope in that inheritance. We don't have a hope for that redemption. We don't, man, let's just call it a day and head out. We have got a hope for nothing. But because he rose from the dead, we have a living hope. It is alive today, right now. There is hope today because Jesus is alive. That hope is that an inheritance is coming for us that will never fade away if we are in Christ. Yeah, right? Like, can it come now? Every spiritual blessing in Jesus. Redemption, forgiveness of sins, an inheritance that is coming in Christ. And finally, verse 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your, your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And what if I quit? What if I stand on a stage in front of a church and tell everybody that I'm having a crisis of faith and I don't know if I trust God anymore. And what if I walk away? Don's question I was having. But this tells me no matter how dark it may get, he's not going to love me. He's not going to love me. Because I have been sealed. I have been brought in, I have been kept by the Holy Spirit of God for that day that was promised for me. 
So now I'm going to have some dark days, so are you. And I'm going to have questions of faith. God, are you still, like, were you ever there? Is this real? Are you good? And the Holy Spirit's not going to let me go. He's just not. Jesus said to John, it's better for me to go because then the Holy Spirit, the helper, will come. And it's, it's better that way because then the living God lives in you. It's better for Jesus to go so the Holy Spirit will come because then God himself is in us. It's one thing where I was thinking, like Avengers, I love Avengers. I had a backpack on the other day. If it was any bigger, I would totally rock it, but it's not. Um, it's good, but anyways. So, like, it's one thing to have hope on your team. It's another thing to have the power of the Hulk in you, right? Because just because the Hulk's on my team, I can still get jacked up over there. But if I got the power of the Hulk in me, well, then come on. It doesn't matter. Let's go. And so it's one thing to have Jesus with us. Yes, please, we have to have that. It's another thing for the power of God to be in me. Romans 8 says the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. Like, that's the power, right? Rose Jesus from the dead. That's the power that lives in us if we are in Christ. That means we have everything we need for love and obedience. We have everything we need for freedom. We have everything we need for life and good works. Because the Spirit of God is in us and He is our seal and He is working in us and He is promising, He is guaranteeing our inheritance until we get there. So you go, I mean, I might break this. I might, I want to trust Christ, but I just might screw it up royally. Don't trust yourself to get me in the end. He is our guarantee. It is what we get in Jesus. So if we trust Christ, we get redemption. If we trust Christ, we have an inheritance. And if we trust Christ, we have the living God in us to get us to the end. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Which is exactly what he tells us to do, to the praise of his Have you heard and believed the gospel? That's key at the beginning there, verse 13. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. Have you trusted him? Like for real, not just like a cognitive understanding. Have you submitted your life to him and say, all right, I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I trust God. But Jesus in him, he... he pays the price for my sins and sets me free and he rose from the dead and is giving me life today and guarantees it for the future. Have you trusted that truth? If you haven't, I am so glad you're here. Come and explore and ask questions and let's hang out together and be in community. But I'm going to be up front. My hope is that you trust this because I believe it's life for you and me and the world. Have you trusted that? Really trusted and receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Jesus. It's there to be happy. It's, it's, it's there. Freedom is there. It's, it's there to be had in Christ. And the last thing I just want to, want to end with, and, um, and then we'll, we'll continue in response, is we see just the, we see these words, predestined, chosen, predestined, <coughs> And, and really what I, the point I want to make in this is as we read this, I'm just going to read through the verse again, just 3 through 14. 
And if just listen, who's the initiator? Who's the actor? Or like, who's, the, who's got the active tense and who's got the passive response? Just listen for that. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons to Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Who, who's the initiator and the actor in all this? Like it's, it's clear. God, before time began, this was his will, his purpose, his mystery, his choosing. It's not grace if we play a part. That's not, that's what, that's what we are in it. The reason we praise God so relentlessly and we give him all the glory that we can is because there's not a single part of this that we're like, hey, I earned this. I, I, I'm owed this. I'm due this. But rather, he chose to set his love on us before the foundation of time. I mean, that song you that were saying about the, the love of God, and God. Because my, my love and human capacities has, has these kind of ceilings and walls. And his doesn't. Like, he sees me, and he knows me, and he loves me the same. And it's his choice. And he began the story, and he's going to complete it. Grace is not something we earn, it's not something we bargain for. We tell God, hey, I really messed up. Could you send Jesus to do this for me? That's just his choice because he loves us. And that should move us to praise. We've been given an inheritance. The riches of God's grace lavished upon us for zero what I earn or deserve. It hasn't moved us to praise. Man, I don't I don't So let's praise him. Let's receive his grace. Let's praise him. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.